BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rule book and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now. Because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change. And we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Founder Files, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs about their journey to building their business. We've all heard the shiny founder stories. This is not that. We talk high highs, brutal lows, and the secrets to success that got them to where they are today. Tactical, tangible, and chock full of takeaways. Let's dive in. On today's episode, we're joined by a powerhouse entrepreneur who has truly transformed the beauty industry. Over 16 years ago, a hair coloring mishap prompted her to seek a remedy during a trip to Tel Aviv, Israel. There, she discovered an argan oil-infused hair treatment that not only restored her damaged hair, also altered the trajectory of her life in the beauty sector as a whole. She was inspired to bring this curative concept to the masses. In 2008, the Moroccan oil brand was launched with a pioneering oil-infused hair care product and has since evolved into a multi-million dollar enterprise. You see this iconic turquoise product on the shelves of every major retailer like Nordstrom and Sephora, as well as in top tier salons across the nation. Today, Moroccan oil's devoted following transcends borders, reaching over 80 countries worldwide. With a powerful global brand platform, she continues to spearhead initiatives that champion and empower women, drive profound philanthropic endeavors, and firmly position sustainability as a guiding principle of the brand. She's a force to be reckoned with on so many levels. Please welcome Carmen Tal, co-founder of Moroccan Oil, to Work Party. Hi, Carmen. Hello. Quite an introduction. Thank you very much. It is incredible that already 15 years went by. And, you know, every time I think about it, it's like, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's especially thinking that everything started with a problem. You know, my hair was so severely damaged. And then I found this incredible product that really, truly changed, you know, so many people's life. And to this day, it is so many consumers' favorite product for the hair. And it's just like, honestly, like a dream. Absolutely. I mean, I remember the first time using Moroccan oil and being so excited. I have coarse, frizzy hair. And so I was so excited when I was able to kind of test drive the product. I remember introducing, you know, the introduction of argan oil into the market. It's really an exciting time. And obviously your career, as mentioned in the intro, has been incredible. But tell us a little bit, you know, again, discovering this ingredient, you know, your original product has become a bestseller, an iconic product, the number one hair care oil in the US. And now, you know, you have all these other products that you've kind of expanded into. Tell us about the launch of the first product and then the want and need to expand into other categories. Yes. You know, when we just launched Moroccan Oil Treatment, 
and you know argan oil was not known to the regular consumer and nobody wanted to put oil in their hair i mean who does that right mm-hmm. and then once people started experiencing the effects of the morganol treatment in the hair it was like everybody fell in love and then you know a whole cult of followers began so slowly you know when we became so known just with one product people wanted more which is normal that's who we are consumers every time that they discover something that works that they love they want more of it so that's really pretty much how we decided to you know we need to come up with something for the body it was a, it wasn't just like that it was an incident it took us about three four years to get to that point so you know people initially were putting the organal treatment in their bodies because they just love the texture and they love the fragrance, which is, you know, very iconic for the brand. And, and you know, that's pretty much the, decis- the decisive moment when we decided we need to make a body collection. Yes, absolutely. So walk us through the products now. So obviously, argan oil is at the heart of a lot of these products, the effects of which, you know, it has antioxidants, all these different things. So transitioning that into body care, skin care feels like a natural transition. But walk us through sort of the process of what you decided to do when you went into the body care category. Again, precisely because, you know, we have an incredible cult of followers, as we call it, that are constantly, we're constantly in communication with them. Honestly, they constantly write to us and we do surveys and people were like just dying to have a whole collection of body products. And so it was inevitable, really, that we wouldn't, you know, somebody's telling you do this because it's going to be successful. We didn't know it was going to be as successful as it is for the body as well as for the hair. So, you know, it was like a a slow process, you know, listening to the consumer, which is super important and today more than ever, and and just carefully, you know, finding the right assortment of products to bring into the market without saturating the market, because that's a, a big problem also that, you know, if you bring too much to the market, you can, you know, jeopardize a lot of your efforts. So, you know, we've been blessed with like bringing just the right products at the right moment. I love that. Yeah. Being really thoughtful, listening to your audience and launching, as you mentioned, like with a, you know, a strong cadence makes a lot of sense. So as you mentioned, and we talked a little bit in the introduction is you were first introduced argan oil, but you were also first introduced hair oil, which is now a massive category. So whenever you're first to do anything and it becomes wildly successful, it's almost inevitable that other brands will see what you're doing and follow suit and try try to latch on to that success. So what's your perspective, you know, on copycat culture, especially because you introduced this product? You know, how do you think about other brands out there and how do you maintain your competitive edge? Yes. First of all, about the copycat, inevitable. You successful people want to be like you. It happens at all levels. We really didn't put much attention to that. We were really focused on like creating good products and staying true to the brand. Unless, you know, we come across into some infringement, you know, like more legal issues, and then it became a problem. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you know, we focus on what we have to do as a brand to maintain our DNA and to to the consumer, bringing extremely efficient products to the market. You know, it's inevitable and it's going to continue. People are going to copy your fragrance. They're going to copy your formulation. They're going to copy your color. They're going to copy your name. 
you cannot pay attention to all of that. You know, you have to continue doing what you do best and, you know, be attentive, but you cannot be worried about it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to think about it. You know, when you launch the brand, you know, now there's like so many different beauty brands out there and the word brand is sort of buzzy. But when you really launched, being a standalone brand wasn't really that normal, but you had this beautiful bottle, beautiful color, beautiful brand, great fragrance. How did you learn how to do all this? Like when you were going to market, you know, how did you know that you wanted that color, that you wanted that fragrance? Like, how did you learn these skills? Ah, uh, good question. No good answer. <laughs> uh, because it was a process, honestly. At the time, we were, we knew that we had something incredible in our hands. It was just one product, the Moroccan oil treatment. It was in a beautiful bottle, even though it was a glass bottle, that it was practically a no-no. Believe it or not, we had so many people discouraging us not to do anything in a glass bottle. And we really truly believe that that was the way to go. And little we knew that sustainability would become such an issue, you know, and then this bottle is totally sustainable. It's glass. And so, and then, you know, because we'd always been inspired by the Mediterranean, we discovered the problem in the, in the Mediterranean. The argan oil is produced in Morocco. So the whole thing seemed like perfect to have a Mediterranean inspired, like by the sky, the water, the sand, the, the, the earth, you know, and the oils that are produced in all these regions. And pretty much it was a, a, a beautiful evolution of like creativity and just putting your soul into it. You know, we just wanted this to succeed so badly that, you know, I remember thinking, practical day and night for weeks and playing with the name, playing with the color. You know, we didn't have a marketing team back then or we didn't have a right. creative team back then. It was just like the two of us, you know. And I guess, you know, a lot has to do with good luck. Totally. <laughs> I, I mean, I come from the fashion industry. I work all my life when I was younger in fashion. And I think that probably brings a little bit of an edge and helps you, you know, to have a kind of like an eye for things. And I think the, the packaging is a combination of, you know, that and again, being inspired by the Mediterranean. Yeah, absolutely. I bet it did. And I, I just feel like the brand has really transcended over the years. Like it really has created this global, well-known brand identity, which is so hard to do. And I think sometimes the best brands that do that, it's like a happy accident. Like you don't even think you're really doing it. And then, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, you're like, wow, like it's still you know, is resonating with people, which is great. So I want to talk a little bit about global responsibility in the world of business. You mentioned this a little bit, you know, you've really been leading the charge in the realm of sustainability and philanthropy. So talk to us a little bit about how you've integrated sustainability and responsible practices in the core values of the business. I think this is something that we do very well. We try to stay, I don't know how to say au courant, to stay aware of what's happening out there. And even from the very beginning, we understood that sustainability was important. The fact is that the factory in Israel already was functioning on solar panels. And that was 15 years ago, which is, wow. you know, people started, just started doing things. And after that, you know, everything, absolutely everything that we do, we keep in mind sustainable practices. It is a process because sustainability cannot happen from one day to the other. Every day we learn something new. 
Every day we're trying to find new solutions from packaging. The fact is that today uh, all the new products are packed in a PCR, 100% PCR. We started with 50% PCR. We moved to 80% PCR. Now we're 100% PCR. And wow. slowly we're moving the old packaging into uh, PCR. And the same thing happens with ingredients. We, you know, we are constantly talking to the vendors, the uh, raw material suppliers, because also they are very interested in bringing new products, new uh, raw ingredients that are uh, better for the environment, better for humans, better for everyone. And I think that is a very big commitment for us because it's new. Uh, relatively new. I don't think people started talking longer than 15, 10 years ago. And now there is no brand that is not associated somehow with some sustainable practices. Same thing with uh, social responsibility, super important. Uh, I think as a brand, you know, you, you have to be part of a community, being part of the whole world, really, today. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit um, about your partnership with Oceana and what the decision process was in partnering with an ocean conservation organization for the brand? Yes, uh, because Oceana is about, it's, it's not just about restoring and cleaning the ocean. They also are into passing new legislations, laws to protect the ocean, which is super important because if you, you know, this is an incredible source of life. It sustains so many people. Um, with the population that we have today, it's an incredible source of feeding the people <laughs> pretty much. And if we don't respect it, we're not going to have any life. So they do an incredible job making sure that all the countries respect all the laws that are associated with fishing and many other many other issues. And personally, I come because I come from Chile, we have an incredible ocean all along the country. I always been very close to you know anything to do with the with the ocean, and absolutely you know we had to do something with them, and very happy to be supporting them. Same thing with the Humane Society; they are an incredible organization helping so many animals and you know educating people, which is super important. I think education is key today to to have a better world. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to be cleaning up the mess and continue making a mess. Uh, it just doesn't work. So I think those are, the, those are the two organizations that we feel that an incredible job helping this world to be a better place. Absolutely. And I think it's so great that as a extremely successful legacy company, you are making the changes. And like you said, it's not overnight, but you've really come a long way to make those changes. What has the consumer response been to integrating some of these values into the brand? It's incredible how people people resonate with, you know, any message that you have in this regard, people love it. I think people today are buying from brands that are truly doing something. They don't want to be associated with people who are just like making money or making a new product. I think you're part of a whole, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, we are in a world, you know, we are in the, the world, this is more place today. So you need to help, especially when you are a successful corporation, you can just sit around and just like enjoy your, your success. You know, you have to share it with the world. And I think people love that. They, they love that we constantly, we have a little blog and, we talk about these things and share the messages that we learn from this organization. They're really 
happy that we do this. Oftentimes, you know, when we have interviewed people for the job and they said, I, what I like about you is that you have the Inspire for Women platform, for instance, and that platforms, you know, we help, we love to be associated with other women entrepreneurs or women that are doing like some changes for the best and like the Halo Foundation, for instance, like, uh, it's so it's 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 nice to hear that whatever efforts you're doing, you know, people are recognizing. Yeah, I love that. I haven't even thought about it from a recruitment standpoint, but obviously I think even more now, Gen Z, millennials, you know, when they're applying for jobs at these companies, they're looking at, you know, what are you doing in your sustainability realm? What are you doing on your philanthropic realm? Like that's important to them when applying for those jobs. So I think that that's a really good insight as well. So for some of these small business owners who maybe are listening and are inspired by your journey and what you're doing, what are some ways that they can start integrating some sustainable practices into their businesses from the start? Yes, I think it's one step at a time, one day at a time. I think you cannot just go all the way and try to find, there's so many solutions, there's so many ways. Uh, anything, even when you start at home, you know, Personally, you started at home with composting, recycling. Everything is very inconvenient because we're used to convenient life. We used to go and pick up food with the cutlery and the napkins and everything disposable. And you start like watching all these little things and in the office, you know, the same, whatever practices that you have in the office with the employees, you know, if you can bring composting, if you can bring recycling and Talk to your employees, you know, to make them aware that we can make a difference, you know, that we can make changes. And for the business itself, the same. There's so many ways today to just make little changes, like from packaging to even the practices, how you manage your office, you know, the way you treat your employees. I think all that is part of a sustainable world. And it's one step at a time, again, but just to start. I think that's the key is like become aware and be part of the solution and and just don't hesitate and you know it is inconvenient yes but it has to be done yes i think that's great advice in terms of the small steps big impact right and then it just kind of grows from there so i absolutely love that i think that's such great advice starting small starting in your office starting with your team starting with your employees i think that's a great way to do it so you also, beyond having your legacy product, which has been a hero product and obviously extremely successful, you continue to innovate and set new trends, creating new products with new technologies, new innovation. You mentioned earlier when we were chatting about your, your Flex hairspray that presents, prevents against frizz. So tell us a little bit about continuing to innovate, continuing to be excited about the products you're creating. Okay. Uh, I mean, is it, uh, you have to continue growing. And the ways to grow today is not necessarily to create a new product all the time. You know, it could be about a new packaging. We do follow trends, and but we don't necessarily do anything about it immediately. We just take a look at a trend. And, you know, mostly in the beauty industry, it's about technology. It's about new ingredients. It's about the needs of the consumer out there. Uh, you know, so that's where the trends perhaps come in. But, you know, today trends are like today is a trend, but tomorrow is old. Everything is so fast that it's very difficult to just follow the trends. I think what is important is to continue creating products that are that really bring the solutions to your problems or 
however you want to use your products. And, and that's the commitment that we always have uh, is to, you know, bring innovation in different ways, again, from packaging to technology. And, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a new product. Like freeze control, for instance, is not a new product. But we have incredible technology. The dispenser is fantastic. And so that's innovation to us without being a new, it's reinventing something. I mean, we're reinventing something that was already there. But so it's, 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 it's a constant looking, you know, what is the consumer, what are the consumer needs? Yes, I love that. I think that's such great advice. I mean, obviously, first prevention, as you mentioned, been here forever, and obviously these products, but continuing to innovate on the technology behind them is so fascinating. It's it's really probably, you know, a testament to the long term success of the brand. So for any women out there who are listening, what has been the best piece of advice you've gotten as a successful female entrepreneur? Like what has been a piece of advice that has stuck with you over the years? You know, giving advice (laughs) is really difficult, but what have worked for me personally and people that I know that started a business, there's something called passion, right? You can look at that and say, ah, it's kind of cliche, but I think when you're driven by something that you really want, that, that you believe in, it is really, you have, Half of the wave is already paved, as I say. And then after that is never lose the focus on what is it that, why did you start that business in the first place? Or why did you start that idea in the first place? Don't ever lose sight of that, in my opinion. Then second, I think it's important to surround yourself with the right people. I think Mm -hmm. we cannot be good at everything. You know, I have a creative side of me. My business side is okay, but... I was very lucky that my ex-husband is an incredible businessman and he always handled the business part of things. I didn't have to worry about the finances. And that was very helpful because I did my creative side and he did the business. So we both did what we did best. And to me, that's key. I think, you know, you cannot speed yourself in so many places to do something. So have an incredible team. Make sure that... If you're weak in something, find the right people to support you and don't decide on your, you know, whatever it is that you started this for, because it's easy to, along the way, feel discouraged, you know, but if you believe in something so badly, just move on. Sticking to your core values, passion and hiring against your weaknesses is such amazing advice. I love that. Thank you so much for being here, Carmen. Can you tell everyone where they can shop Moroccan oil, follow you and learn more about the brand? You can, yes, uh, MoroccanOil.com, absolutely. And stores, Sephora, like so many. (laughs) Every store, basically. (laughs) Salons, of course. How can I possibly forget? Uh, Any salon near you hopefully carries Moroccan oil. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Party. If you like what you heard, follow, leave a review, rate the pod, or slide into my DMs. Check out our membership program, Insiders, designed for go-getters and game changers like you. Sign up today at CreateCultivate.com. Follow us at Work Party and at Jacqueline R. Johnson on all platforms. And be sure to head to CreateCultivate.com to keep up with all the latest events, content, and community designed to help you level up your life and career. 